for Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1 and beginning in verse 1, <clears throat> Moses has died, Israel has mourned for Moses for a month, great leader being replaced by Joshua, Joshua having great thoughts of heart and, uh, and in need of God's guidance and God doesn't fail. <clears throat> now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass <clears throat> that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. <clears throat> now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn <coughs> not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and then thou shalt uh, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt have, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have uh, good success. And so as we come to the close of 2021 and into already 2022, there's probably not a, a better verse to focus on than verse 8 of this first chapter of the book of Joshua, where again it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way, for, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou shalt have good success. <coughs> Very positive verse in the Bible. I don't know if there's any other verses that can be more positive. The last two, last phrase of this one verse uses the word shalt twice. Uh, not maybe, uh, not perhaps, but shalt. Then thou, shalt. then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so the Lord is uh, saying... This is, this is going to happen. This is my promise to you. This is, this is not just a possibility, but if you will follow what this verse says, you will ha have prosperous time 
and you'll have a successful time. Note also that this verse <clears throat> is one that definitely involves us. Though a good deal rests upon God, as we know, there's some that rest upon this. Because he says there, that he says that we need to observe, observe to do. And then he says, and then thou will make thy way prosperous. And so, though God's going to intervene, God's going to answer, and God's going to, to show himself strong, he says that we need to observe to do, and we need to make our way, uh, make the way that he's told us to do. And so I'm simply saying that uh, <clears throat> we cannot come to the end of a year like 2021 and let, and if it's not a year of prosperity, and if it's not a year of success in our lives, that can't be laid off on God. And it can't even be laid off upon the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Uh, we know that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And that, that if I come to the end of the year and I look back over it and I say it's a disaster. And I don't think find anything in my life that I could say, you know, that experience, that thing that happened to me, uh, I wouldn't give it up for anything. It's more prosperous than gold. If I don't find that this afternoon, as I look back at my life over the last year, then uh, I must come to the conclusion that I wasn't lining myself up with Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, <clears throat> the first thing I want to say here is that what is said in Joshua 1 and 8 is relevant for the year 2022. I want you to go over to, uh, I won't ask you to turn to lots of scriptures today, but this one's a very important because I think we say, well, that's Old Testament and that doesn't apply. But I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to just build a, show you a, a, a great Bible principle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all the fathers are under the cloud and all pass through the sea. And so he's relating to them the wilderness wandering of the Old Testament. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That is, the cloud was on top of them. When they crossed the sea, the, the water was on both sides of them. And it's not a, a religious baptism, but he's just saying they were immersed in the cloud, immersed in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the tent that we should not lust after evil things as they also left it. And so he's thinking about a number of things that happened in the wilderness wandering. But he's saying that what happened in the Old Testament, and particularly here in the wilderness wandering, therefore our example. So I'm simply saying to you that what I'm going to say today is not Old Testament, but it's Bible. It's biblical. It's applicable to my life here in the year 2022. In verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as is written, that people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. 
Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyers. Now all these things happened unto them for an example, for examples, that, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so the Old Testament, and particularly this wilderness wandering illustrations, are, are uh, legitimate. Now, uh, one, one of the things I want to set right at the first is that we need to understand the typology of Joshua. That uh, it has its own principles, it has its own teachings, but there is a, a type given and, and, uh, and it helps us understand what, what it is to have good success and to be prosperous. When we talk about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and coming into the Canaan land, which Joshua is about going into the Canaan land, it's not to be confused with heaven. We have a lot of different songs that, that typify Canaan land as going to heaven. Uh, I'm bound for the promised land. When shall I reach the heavenly place and be forever blessed? When shall I see my father's face and in his bosom rest? I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. That That is looked on as heaven or the Beulah land. I'm kind of a homesick for a country to which I've never been before. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. But the uh, promised land, the land that God gave to the children of Israel, is not heaven. When, we, when they came out of Egypt, in applying the Passover lamb, it very clearly typified Christ Jesus and his blood being applied to our own lives, that he is our Passover land. And then they went into the wilderness wandering there and eventually to the promised land. But when they got to the promised land, it was not heaven. There was land there that was occupied by the enemy. And the title of this message, I don't usually title messages, but maybe it'll keep you awake after, after gorging yourself this afternoon. Are the Canaanites squatting on your property? I got some of you awake on that. <laughs> but are the Canaanites squatting on your property? The promised land is not heaven. When Israel got to Canaan, there were wars to be fought and land to be claimed. When they divided up the land, uh, they, they found people living on it. And they'd been living on it for a long time. And they're going to have to be driven off of it. The life of being a more than conqueror through Christ as a Christian is going to involve putting on the armor of the Lord. It's not getting our harps and playing in heaven. The life and land where the enemy is must be fought for and conquered. When Israel crossed the Jordan River and set foot in the promised land, as we said, the Canaanites are squatting there. 
They found that the walls of Jericho were really tall. Some said they went all the way up into heaven. They knew it was beyond their ability, and God gave them a plan. Caleb, who was one of the 12 spies that went into the land and, and was one of the only two of the 12 that came back and said, we're well able to keep it, and the rest of them said, no, we're not, and they wanted it in the wilderness, and all of that generation died uh, under 40 or over 40 except for Joshua and Caleb. But Caleb came and he said to Joshua, give me this mountain because God had promised him Mount Hebron. And he said, give me this mountain. But in saying that, he understood that that was the mountain on which uh, the giants, uh, the brothers, uh, three, uh, five brothers, I think they're sons of Anak, but there were giants on that mountain. And when Caleb went up there, he had to go up there fighting to get it and to hold it and to claim it. And so we need to grasp, uh, grasp from the be being saved from Egypt is like uh, being saved from our bondage and sin. And that though salvation is very wonderful and there's nothing that can replace it and it has its many ramifications and the Lord has predestinated us in salvation to be conformed to the image of Christ and we're justified already and glorified and all those past tense uh, uh, words there in the book of Romans chapter 8, we still have a mountain and a valley and a river and, and a places to war for. When you got saved, it wasn't any of your problems. And in fact, uh, you begin to fight a warfare and some of it you thought you never would have to fight. Didn't even realize it. And we will either be more than conquerors through him that saved us and we'll have a great victory, or we'll be ones that are just saved as though by fire and have no crown to give to the Lord. We'll either mount up with wings as eagles after being saved, or we'll scratch around as an eagle in the barnyard where we were never meant to live. God didn't bring us out of sin to make us wander the rest of our life in a wilderness wandering. We will go to the promised land, but, but, but there, there's, those are property there that needs to be claimed and fought for. We either claim what is rightly ours, or we're going to wander in the wilderness. For Joshua, it was a matter of claiming the promised land physically. And for you and I, it's not a matter of, of claiming the promised land physically, but it's a matter of claiming the promises of the land. And I want you to understand that, and I'll elaborate on it. Joshua, they fought for property that was physical. The Canaanites were on it, and they had to drive them out. But we're fighting a different battle. It's a spiritual battle, and what we're fighting for is to claim the promises of the land. For you and I, it's a matter of what God has promised us. Look over in Second uh, Peter. It gives us just a little fashion of what I'm talking about as the land in which is ours to claim. In Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3, 
Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a livelier living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says, this is yours. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, future. For you are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so there is there's a, there's a, a, a life that can be lived where there's exceeding great and precious promises. I'm sorry, it didn't sound right. <laughs> Man, I've been, off, I've been uh, off a step ever since Sunday school. All right. Now we can really get into it. We got the right passage. 2 <laughs> Peter chapter 1. All right, here we go. Okay. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. According as he, his divine power have given to, unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, the promised land, through the knowledge of him that have called us to a unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these might, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Christ living in me, exceeding great and precious promises. Let me just kind of get at what I'm thinking about here today. We have promises that's our property. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way escape that you may be able to bear it. He's saying that there's not any trials going to come to me, that God's not faithful, and that I can't bear it. But when I find last year, as I go over my, my life and my activities and my responses to different things that came my way, and I found some things I just couldn't take, and I didn't find, didn't find uh, the victory that I wanted to have in that, I have to come back and say, the Lord says that you'll be able, that, that he promises there's no temptation to take you, but God is faithful. And when I found that God wasn't faithful, what, I've, what I'm finding is this. I went over there to this place spiritually where, where, where I'm looking for something, and, and, and the Canaanites are camped on my property. That, what I'm saying is that what is my possession spiritually is that I should be able to say that there's nothing coming to my life, that God has not been faithful. And I'll be able to overcome it. I'll be able to escape it. But when I find that, that, no, that's not what happened. These things overcame me. These things defeated me. Then, then somebody has taken what is mine. This is not just something that we uh, pick and choose, but this is a promise from God. And what he says is, you can overcome it. And when I'm not, then I've given up possession of what God said. This belongs to you. Let me give you another one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not worry, be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That is not a promise from the pastor. That is not a promise from me. That's not a promise from uh, your best friend. It's a promise from God. 
when we wait upon the Lord, we'll mount up with wings as eagles. That we, we, we can be overcomers. And when we're not overcomers, somehow this overcoming promise, it's my property. It belongs to me. I should be able to live a life as an overcomer. And when I'm not, there's something wrong. The Canaanites are camping on my property. Matthew says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy labor, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Twice here, he promises rest, a peace that passeth understanding. But instead of having a peace that passeth understanding, I'm wound up like a a 12-day clock, and I'm just tight as can be, and, and I'm just, you know, and the next thing I'm going to explode. And he said, no, that's not, that's not the Christian life. That's not the land spiritually where you're to be dwelling. You're to be dwelling in a land where peace passes understanding. But it's a land that the enemy can camp on. What is the enemy? Well, my old flesh, the world, and Satan, they don't want me to live at peace, but that's my property. God has promised that. It's a, you know, the little song, ever promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. Another one on peace. And the peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I should have that. When I find someone I'm counseling is not at peace and that verse doesn't apply to them, then somebody is camping on their property. And it needs to be driven off of there. I need to deal with my flesh. I need to deal with the world. Here's another promise. I mean, we could get lots of them. But if any of you lack wisdom, you don't know what to do this year. You don't know what to do tomorrow. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't mock you, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And so here I am, needing of wisdom. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I look back over my life and I see that, you know, there was just lots of instability in my life. Well, what's happening? Well, spiritually, someone is camping on my property. What belongs to me? The promise that God has given to me is the promise that he'll give me wisdom. And he's not going to mock me for asking for wisdom. You see, uh, you see, these truths really don't come hammering down into my life when I'm on easy street and everything's falling in line. But nevertheless, there's his promises. And when that difficulty times come, then... I give up my possession. Do you, do you understand this afternoon that God wants the peace that passeth understanding to rule in your heart? He wants the child of God to be at peace. That's your property. He wants you to not be confused. We may have to wait on the Lord's will, but he doesn't want us to live in confusion. This is the way. Walk in it, he'll tell us. And so I want to note the biblical principles for conquering Canaan are the same as the biblical principles for the victorious 
Christian lives. Go back with me to Joshua again. And I want to point out a few things here. And then we'll get more toward the end. The principle of Joshua and the principle for our victorious Christian living is one that it needs to be lived by faith. It says there in chapter 3, in verse 15, concerning the priest and the ark, and as they bear the ark, and, and as they and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan overfloweth all his banks at all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and, uh, and arose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zeratin, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And then, if you will uh, look there in chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, and the souls of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all the banks as it did before. God has said, okay, we need to cross Jordan and we need to go over here and we need to battle and claim our property. The Canaanites are there, but this land is yours. This is your promised land. And so they had the word from God but as they come down to the river, and they look out across the river, it's the time of the year, the spring of the year, it seems, and the, the, the river's banks are from bank to bank. I mean, this is a, if, the, if, if we're going to measure the depth of the Jordan River, this is a time when it's the deepest. And it's flowing. And this, this is the bank. And, and they can come down and look at it, and they can look across, and they can, and they can wonder, how am I going to get across there? But they're not going to go any place to conquer their land until they live by faith. And it wasn't until the priest bearing the ark stepped out and the sole of their feet touched the water, they got their feet in the water, that it split and they went across. And it stayed that well way until they went across and they pulled it out. Listen, 2022 will never be any different from 2021 until you can trust by faith the promises of God and the will of God and do what God has asked you to do. And so the waters split. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing of faith. And we found this morning, Pastor read it twice, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, he didn't read that, but faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
once in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament. The Bible tells us that the Lord is speaking to his people. And he says, the just shall live by faith. We're coming to the New Testament, the book of Romans and uh, Galatians and the Old Testament. Uh, I forget the book that was in there, but he said, listen, the just, those that are saved shall live by faith. So come booming out of the throne of God is this principle that God's people must live by faith. That the just shall live by faith. In one place it says the just shall live by his faith. Someone has said that faith is reaching out uh, where, where there's nothing but a promise. You don't see it out there. You don't understand. Reaching out where there's nothing but a promise and bringing back a handful. Our faith is based upon the promises of God. And then we find in the book of Joshua also the principle of Joshua being about claiming what the land that the Canaanites are on, claiming my property. It also involves obedience. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1, it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were, in the, uh, were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time, and Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this, is a, uh, and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of the war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in a world, so all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, on whom the Lord swore that he should not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers, and he would give us the land that floweth milk and honey. And the children whom the Lord raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that were abode in their place of the camp, all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And it goes on and it says how that in verse 9, how they named this place Gilgal because Gilgal meaning reproach, that the reproach of Israel was wiped away. And so here's what we have. When they go into the wilderness, they become lax. They let the circumstances dictate to them. They, they, they fail to keep the requirement of God to be identified with God through circumcision. And so there's a number of men here, and there's a reproach upon them. Actually, that's sinful behavior. And, and, and then the first point, I guess I would say, is that, that for us to... For us to have the promised land that is ours in 2022, we're going to have to roll away some reproach. We need to, we need to confess some sins. We need to deal with some sins. But I want you to think about here, when, when, when we see what's happening here, that, that it came to pass, verse 8, when they'd done the circumcision, all the people that they 
that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. There's a, a number of things here that we could say, but the first thing I want you to see is is that they're not on they're not on the other side of the Jordan. They've crossed Jordan. Jericho's right over there. The Canaanites are right there. And Israel comes, and all the men are circumcised. And let me tell you something. If they were attacked at that moment, they're dead men. They have no ability to war. They're going to have to trust the Lord to do right. And the reproach needs to be wiped away. If I'm going to be a victorious Christian in 2022, I'm going to have to deal with my sin. I'm going to have to wipe it away. And I think there's something else here, though, maybe not as clear. But he said, I want you to stay here until you're made whole. Sometimes, sometimes when we get ourselves in a fix and we have to, you know, reevaluate our life and we have to get honest with God and confess our sin, there's a, there is a point in, in, in staying someplace for a while and allowing God to make you whole. And then going out to war. But again, we just simply see some principles here. One, faith to cross the Jordan River. Two, obedience and, and rolling away the reproach of sinful behavior. And then there's a principle of surrender. Look over in chapter 5 and verse 13. They're across the Jordan. The men are healing up. They find a, they go fight Jericho. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And so he sees this guy. He's armored up. And Joshua doesn't know who he is or what he is. And he goes out there and he says, Are, are you for our enemy or are you for us? And he said, Nay, no. No what? No, I'm not for your enemy and I'm not for you. I didn't come to join you. I come to take over. And he says here, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And so if I'm going to be conqueror, if I'm going to be more than conquerors, if I'm going to be a victorious Christian in 2022, then I need to come to the place where I realize it's not about me, that he's come to take over. And, and he says here, very interesting, and the captain of the Lord host said unto Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereupon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. There's two places prior to this, or two places in the Old Testament where we find a hint as to what this removing your shoe from off your foot is about. One, remember, was at the burning bush when God told uh, Moses to remove the shoes from off his feet because he stood on holy ground. Another place was in the book of Ruth where there was two near kinsmen, two people who had the right to claim the property that Ruth's husbands left to her, and to claim her as, as being uh, the, the, fulfilling the, the Leverite laws to raise up an inheritance to her husband uh, through, 
through uh, uh, th through the the uh, kinsman redeemer, and if you if so Boaz, uh, falling in love with Ruth, said, "I'll I'll deal with this." But there's one more nearer kinsman to claim your property that your husband had and to claim you. And so he went down in the market and he, and he said, Ho, such a one. And he came over and he talked, told him and said, you know, uh, Ruth's husband has died. His land is here. You're the one that's closest relative. You're the one that can redeem and have the land. And he was all for it. And then he said, well, you know, Ruth goes with it. And he said, oh, I, oh, I can't do that. And so the symbol, to, to verify that in front of all the people, was to remove one shoe from off your foot and give it to the other person, and it was symbolizing, I've released my authority, that I surrender to your authority, that you can have the land, and you can have Ruth. I had a preacher one time say that the reason, the reason God didn't tell Joshua to remove the shoes from off his feet is because Joshua had lost his one leg in the war, and he only had one leg. That's not it. The principle is I surrender. I'm going to surrender. So when he said, remove that shoe from off your foot, if, you're going, if we're going to be victorious in 2022, it's going to have to come to a place in my life where I say, I surrender. I give, Lord. And so we find this principle Faith, obedience, and surrender. But wait, I've, uh, I've left out the most important ingredient, the victorious Christian line, running the Canaanites of sin and self and Satan off my property. I've jumped the gun. We've attempted to cross Jordan too soon. We've got the cart before the horse. We've tried to start the automobile called Victorious Christian without the keys. And if we're going to go back and start things out right in 2022, we better get the keys or else it's going to be a bumpy road. 2022, if we don't get this ingredient first, we're not going to cross the Jordan. We're not going to circumcise ourselves and roll away the reproach in our lives. We're not going to surrender. It's going to be partial failure or total failure. There's something that must precede faith, obedience, and surrender. And we get back to Romans 10, where faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Go back with me again to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? For the purpose that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. I need to do what it says. 
For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's no prosperity in the promised land that bypasses the word of God. It's got to be first. The faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the law. Any work of God that isn't built upon the word of God will not prosper. God's heroes are those found fellowshipping with God and meditating in his word. Look over in Psalms chapter 1. Just another great way of saying this. But in Psalms chapter 1, here's, I mean, here's the bottom line where we're going is this. If you do not get into God's word in 2022, you're done. You can muck through it, but there will not be victorious Christian living unless you meditate. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, and then to do your to do, and then thou shalt have make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I've had this down, I'll probably repeat it again, but I think probably I need to uh, say it now. What does it mean to make thy way prosperous and have good success? Well, prosperity is being uh, out of uh, reaping, your, reaping your sins. But success, what is success? A new job? Justin Rebecca's Pancras, he just got a new job, four and a half dollars more an hour. Success. Is it getting a better job? What is success? Well, you can define it like you want, but I define success as this, knowing and doing God's will. Knowing and doing God's will. When I'm in line with God, when I'm doing what God wants me to do, I cannot be a failure. I'm successful. But in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed, that's what we want. Do we not want to be blessed in 2022? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You can see it goes from, from walking to standing to setting. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted, a planted tree, a purposeful tree. Therefore, reason, not just springing up by the shoot out of the ground. By the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whithersoever he doeth shall prosper. And so let's go back there, and this is break down verse 8. For this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now what is that all about? Does that mean that, uh, you know, as, as Job said, that it's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb, the law of the Lord, or, or in Psalms, the law of the Lord is perfect, uh, and it talks about it being sweeter than honey in the honeycomb, that we just should eat God's word? No, it, when it says, that there shall be in thy mouth, it's this, that I've read God's word, and it's impressed me, and, and I'm talking about it. When people come around, I say, let me, let me show you what I learned today. I know, 
I, I'm, I'm as guilty as this as anybody, but what a blessing to come to church and, and teach or, or listen to preaching, and afterward someone come to me and say, hey, let me share a verse with you. You know, I read this this week, and this is really a blessing to me. He, he had to talk about it. And I find that too often I'm talking about, did you put in all your, uh, your uh, drawings for the hunt and, you know, you think chicken is going to be good this year and, you know, the snow is really bad. And those are common things and I'm not necessarily against it. But I'm saying that God's saying if we meditate upon his word, it's in our, it's in our mouth. We want to talk about it. It's something that, that, um, that burns within us. And any important thing, you know, that happens, we want to share it. When my children were born, uh, I want to talk about them whether you want to or not. And, and when we go up places, I want to bring out my pictures and show you my kids sometimes. But, but the Word of God, I want to talk about it. And uh, sometimes we become very dry spiritually because we're not drinking at the fountain. And so he says, shall not depart out of thy mouth. And then he said, but thou shalt meditate therein. The word meditate pictures chewing on it. It's a thought of the cow chewing the grass and swallowing it and bringing it back up and chewing the cud. It's uh, working through it. It's chewing on it. It's focusing on the very words that the Bible says. And then he says, day and night. He's not saying that every place you go, you must you know, have this day and night, but it's a Hebrew expression where continually, every day, I get into God's word. Every day, I'm studying it. It's not that, that it eliminates me from my other duties, but he's simply saying that God's word is there. It's necessary. Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And then he says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's not about, it's not about you know, uh, reading your Bible through in a year, good for you. But it's, and it's not about casually reading the Bible with no effect. But I'm reading the Bible... So I might see what God wants me to do, and then I might observe to do according to all that is written therein. Why aren't we successful? Why aren't we prosperous? Why are we struggling? Because many times, many times counseling in the office is very simple. The Bible says this, and you're doing this, and you wonder why you're getting kicked in the rear end. It's because we're not observing to do all that he's asked us to do. And then he says that, that, that our way might be prosperous. Knowledge without application is uh, worthless. James says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. And for he beholds himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what matter of man he was. So what is it? What is this prosperity? Well, it's not just getting the desired job, but it is God's will. When David called 
Solomon over, knowing that Solomon was going to take over, he didn't say, you know, focus on your wealth. He didn't say, make sure you strengthen up the kingdom here. He didn't say, watch these enemies over here. But this is what he said. The Bible tells us that the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his way, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, whithersoever thou turnest thyself. There's a possibility, a very real possibility, a possibility based upon the veracity of God himself that 2022 for me could be prosperous. Not physical healthiness, but a prosperous soul. A good success that God's hand would be upon what I do. That spiritually, there would be growth as Pastor preached about this morning. I've been reading lately about some World War II stuff and Battle of the Bulge and how many of the soldiers would shoot themselves in the foot to get away, to go, to be, go back to the hospitals. And some would get shot in the foot. <coughs> And that's a cowardice way to do it. But let me say to you that, not that we're cowards, but if you're not, if you are not getting into the Bible, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. How do I know that? Because I've been there and done that. There's times last year yeah, I come to the office and I study and I get lessons and I do ministry. But there were times last year when I went many weeks, not always in line, but many weeks without being in God's word. And I said, man, I, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know. I'm so empty. I'm, I'm so, you know, it just seemed like, <laughs> it just seemed like all of you are so dead. There's just no life in you. I don't know why you guys don't get it. And then it comes hammering down upon me. It's not them, brother. You've not been in my word. That, that I don't know, I, you know, almost every year at this time of year, I make these pleas. But, um, there's a peace that passes understanding that belongs to you. And there's a joy of the Lord that is supposed to be your own personal possession. There's a rest for your soul. 
that we don't have to be careful for anything, but by prayer and supplication, we can let our requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep you. It's your property. But I'm not fighting the battle. And when I'm not in the God's work, let me tell you who's winning. The old flesh rises up. The world comes in. And these things become more important than the spiritual things. And Satan's over there um, laughing. Because the opportunities I had to give glory to God, I failed. And Satan cannot steal our souls, but he can use us to uh, steal glory from God. So let me ask you, are you reading your Bible? I'm not talking about reading it through in a year. In fact, I'd counsel you to throw that out the window. I'm talking about letting God speak to you that you may observe to do. Are you reading on a daily basis? Are you being diligent to do what's written in it to do? Will you not bow your head this afternoon and say, Lord, I know where I'm at. And maybe we need to roll the reproach away by by confessing and asking God to help us. There may be that you need today to say, Lord, I dedicate this time to you. I'm going to get up. 15 minutes before normal, and I'm going to give it to you. And after you've done that for a week, and you begin to sleep in those 15 minutes, and you fail to do it, that you'll come back and say, Lord, let me do it again. Let me form some good biblical habits. Lord, let me conquer this. Lord, help me. Teach me through your word. The word of God is vital. It's vital to me. It grieves me this afternoon to think of the things that God may have may had the opportunity to do and accomplish through me. But I was over here wandering in the wilderness and over here where I needed to be, the Canaanites were camping on my property. And he says that thou shall meditate therein day and night. That's your job. That thou mayest observe. That's your job and my job. And then, if you do that, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. The fault does not lie with God. He's given us all the resources and we need to get into his word. And so as we close this afternoon, I challenge you to again say, Lord, 
I want to carve out a day, a time for you. Back on the back, you've seen these before. I've revised them. It's how to have a quiet time with God. I've reluctantly and shamefully put inside of it this guy, seven minutes with God. It gets you started. It's a jump start. Seven minutes with God. And I thought to myself, would I give, would I give the president, well, I can't use that illustration. Would I, would I give a, a dignitary just seven minutes? Where I say, okay, dad, you got seven minutes and then I got to go. At least seven minutes. And, and uh, take it and read it. And it will help you to find a place and a plan. And to study God's word. There's just some little tools in here. I don't know how to plead with my heart anymore. Except to come from a background to know the devastation that's been in my life. Even as a God-called man and a preacher when I don't, on a continual basis, stay in God's word. And so, I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand or do anything like that, but I'm going to say there's an opportunity back there to take something and begin anew. And along that lines, there's a list in the very back here of some suggested meditation verses. If you start at the bottom on the right-hand side, it starts with Joshua 2.11, but the next one is Isaiah 26.3. Next Sunday morning in Sunday school, we're going to go through Isaiah 26.3. And I hope you have something to share, because I've been known to embarrass people. But here's the point. If it caused your embarrassment for you to get in God's word, it'd be worth it for me. Please, I beg you, I beg you to find a plan. There's plenty of them out there. But to read God's word, and if it's only for seven minutes, I guarantee you, if you will get in God's word, if you'll do that plan for seven minutes in one week, the next week you're going to find yourself in there longer than seven minutes. Isaiah 26.3. Probably next Sunday, go read Sunday school. <laughs>